We caught by one now. I love that. <laughs> one. <laughs> Wait, actually, one more time. One. Good people of Los Angeles. Tonight on the FCFC pod, for the first time in three months, we are back in the backyard. It's Slim, it's Spice, it's Dweez. And we're not alone. We're here at the fourth. He's not here physically, but a man we've asked to come on the pod many, many times. We promised to bring on to talk about topics ranging from sneakers to away days to European football to tactics to punk culture to hardcore culture and everything in between. It sounds weird to say this, but we do have Julio Soriano on the pod tonight. The outside hooligans on the pod tonight. We are reading Julio's nine incredible, poignant, honest, sincere, beautiful LAFC love letters that he had posted in early 2020, the start of the pandemic. We're going to take turns, the three of us, reading them. Julio was a, uh, a big supporter of our pod, uh, one of the biggest and... We really did always want to have him on in person, and unfortunately, he left this world before we could do that, but he left us these words, and it does feel only right that we uh, give all those a chance to, who haven't, who haven't already read them on his blog, to, to listen to them as we read them, and for those listening who would like to read them on their own time, you can always visit Julio's Instagram page and click through on the link there or go to the blogspot address which is soccerandlachaos.blogspot.com much love and respect to Julio's family to Julio's close friends to the outside hooligan family to everybody in the north end and out of the north end who knew this man and we hope you enjoy listening to his words on the pod. It's a, it's a little bit of a different episode, but one that we felt was very important to honor our brother Julio on this Forever Julio special edition of the FCFC pod. Slim, you want to hit him with the warning? Ladies and gentlemen, we're back in the backyard. That means there's helicopters flying, dogs barking, babies crying, uh, neighbors raving. <laughs> <laughs> So, and as per usual, we, we don't, we plan to, to use uncensored languages. Julio had himself an uncensored uh, account of his LAFC experiences. So, if you're around children or at work and you shouldn't be listening to profanity, it's probably a good time to stop listening. FCFC. Julio Brothers! Welcome to the FCFC pod, where two scholars and a dickhead look at the world through a black and gold tinted lens. It's your favorite Korean fat boy. It's Slim. Sitting across from me, having made his return from Japan, 
And Atlanta, the bearded one, the dweez. Good evening. To my left, looking nice and snug in his denim jacket, we have the sexy one returning to us from New York, from his vacation. Dates on Saturdays. <laughs> dates on Saturdays. <laughs> Post, post-match dates? The, Shack it. Hey. What if, did you hey, if you're eight, Shack it. If what you're... What is that? Yeah, what? Shirt jacket. It's a shacket. Oh, I thought it was like shacket, like Shaquille O'Neal it. Ah, uh, nope. I thought that meant shacket. Like, like break the break the. It's my denim shacket. Yo, how do you have energy to go on a date after a match day? Bro, I didn't. I was falling asleep. It was very dimly lit. It didn't Why work did you out choose well. that specific time? It was all that was available. Jeez, I choose. Um. <laughs> no, I just really wanted to see her. <laughs> oh, great answer. Great answer. Or. Answer? I don't know. We're here. We're here. Well, tonight we're going to be doing a little something different than we normally do. Um, if you listen to our last episode, you know that we lost our brother Julio. And he was one of the people that for a long time we talked about having on the pod. Whether to talk about sneakers or Bud or just, you know, his excitement for the game and the 3252. So. Dweez had a great idea on how we could get some of Julio's words on this pod, and I'll let him explain. So, I knew that Julio had a few different ideas for things he was trying to kick off. He had he had an idea for a boots. He wanted to do a boots pod. That's right. He talked about doing watch along pods to me. He and I were messaging back and forth about that. Uh, every time we run into each other, we talk about, you know, like, what is it like to make content around this thing we love, LAFC? And, you know, that naturally led to us having many a conversation about, we should have you on the pod. 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 You know, that was all even before the pandemic and all through the pandemic. So, yeah, he was like that eternal guest that we were trying to get to come on. And um, once he had passed, I'm, you know, embarrassed to say that I hadn't known that he actually had a blog spot that he had recorded uh, right before and during the beginning of the pandemic some of his own LAFC memories and some of his own LAFC thoughts and what's so funny is like you know a lot of what I read in these posts were the kinds of things that we would be talking about anyways like you know how did he first hear about LAFC and like what are his some of his memories of his first away days that sort of thing and um the writing for me is just it's really beautiful it's sincere it's candid it's it sounds a lot like julio and Mm. it it touches on it touches on a lot of his like you know his personal interests and stuff and so since we couldn't get him on the pod in person there was no other way to have the spirit of julio on the pod than if we just go ahead and read these entries um i know that not everyone in the North End, not everyone in our listenership is the reading type. They don't want to sit at a computer screen and read through all the, you know, the posts or, or pick up a book and read. It's not everyone's thing. I get that. But, you know, driving along through your car, hearing Julio's words ring through your ears as spoken by the three of us, I feel like is the, absolutely the best way we could <coughs> memorialize him on the pod. Um, I think for everyone, whenever, whenever it comes to, a, you know, a, a death that, is in the community that so many of us um, are a part of and you know we're we're all connected to the individuals in that community in different ways some of us know someone better than somebody else or we might spend time in this way or they might be in our supporter group or 
or not, um, it's something that like, it's a, it's a way for all of us to be able to, to, to have keepsakes of their memories and revisit them. And, and um, for me, as someone who's also dealt with some close other deaths recently, my father's memorial was the same, was two days, two days after Julio's. So all in the same week. Um, yeah, it just, for me, it's, it makes all the difference in the world to be able to sort of, to pick it up, look at the words, look at the memories, and um, I'm really excited to share them with you guys tonight. Spice, did you want to say anything before we get started <coughs> on these? Uh, the man wasn't a fan of the Oxford comma, as I see here, which is, tells you a lot about, a lot about a writer, a lot about um, a person's personality, but uh, no, I'm, I'm excited to just hear the man's words, man. Yeah. So Now for the last time. I encourage anyone listening to, obviously you can go to his Instagram page and you can go up to the, to the link. Uh, the blog spot was linked up, up there, but for those of you who are listening and just want to access it directly, it's soccerandlachaos.blogspot.com. And the main headline is the 3252 soccer and maybe more dot, dot, dot. And uh, up at the top of the page, it says here to talk my heart out on what it's like living through key moments in the 3252's developing history, along with seeing the similarities and differences between supporter cultures in the world, but mainly focusing in my favorite leagues and clubs. So, I mean, it's, you know, this is this is something for every every listener of this pod. Is Julio was a lover of the same things we love, and as you'll come to find out, he came into the club the same way. So I'm going to read the first entry, and we're just going to pass it around, and then we're going to share our thoughts uh, afterwards. So the first entry is titled, I guess this is my intro. January 23rd, 2020. And so this begins. This is not going to have a nice setup nor will it be grammatically correct. I apologize in advance. Well, I'm Julio from Los Angeles, California, mid-city K-Town, and there is so much soccer in my head that I decided to write it all down. I'm your super basic all-black wearing cholo goth that has an obsession with Air Maxes. Born in 1987, and soccer has been in my family since before I was born. I come from immigrant Salvadorian parents that left their corrupt country for a better future for me and my sister. Sucks though, my sister lived in El Salvador until she was 10 and my parents were rich as fuck and came to the, and, and came to the typical LA poverty, but I'm thankful that they made the move. <coughs> Soccer was my first passion as it was engraved in my head that I will be a pro for as long as I can remember. I had uncles that played professionally soccer for FAS and Fripo, two OG clubs from El Salvador. I won't lie and pretend like I know any of their history because I don't, and unfortunately it wasn't easy for us to follow from in the States. All I know is that we were closer to Club Deportivo FAS because that's the club from my dad's hood. I lived and breathed soccer for my entire life, and playing in clubs at five years all through school and some semi-pro as I got older. I even played for Mauricio Sinfuego's soccer academy through the LA Galaxy. I've had many team alliances, but growing up, obviously, my biggest impact other than supporting the USA during the 1994 World Cup was the introduction to the Major League Soccer in 96. That was a peak moment for me as it was really the beginning, as I was really being, beginning to understand how soccer can impact my future. So here comes the world famous LA Galaxy into this city and to all of our lives. At this point, I really had nothing other than club soccer and Sunday leagues where I had friends that gathered together to watch soccer. It was simply monumental 
to my childhood and what it did for my family. It brought my family closer, but it also opened my eyes to seeing North, Central, and South American talent on TV, other than the Mexican League. It was amazing seeing what excitement brought, what excitement soccer brought to our lives. More on the Galaxy later. After the MLS takeover, nothing was better than the introduction of the internet. Don't get me wrong, by then we had cable, but it was always some Latino package that played all the Latino leagues for all the countries south of the U.S. Cable also helped during the 1998 World Cup, where I learned about and was simply mind-blown by all the European giants that played that insane tournament. But the internet helped me look up all these players that I had only heard of through the news or by playing FIFA. So like every kid, I picked my favorite team from every country. Manchester United, Real Madrid, PSG, Inter, Bayern, Manchester United, the team that I was able to watch on TV the most. For some reason, it just seemed like they had an epic battle every weekend. Was obsessed with their never-say-die attitude and always believing in anything Sir Alex Ferguson said. After watching them so much, it was hard for me not to feel like they were my favorite team in the world and rooting for all the amazing players. I've always been a midfielder, so I was so I overanalyzed players like Paul Scholes, Sebastian Veron, David Beckham, Ryan Giggs, Michael Carrick, Anderson, Cristiano, Nani, Darren Fletcher, Park Ji-sung, my favorite number 13 of all time, and even Hargreaves, the Canadian. I would talk about the rest of the teams, but look at, look at them, the biggest in our late 1990s to early 2000s. All had the world's best players, and all I wanted to watch them play and recreate it on the field and then recreate it in FIFA. Also, only because they weren't teams I picked to be my favorite, I still watched the Turkish, Portuguese, and Argentine leagues too. There were unbelievable teams and players in those leagues. Now at the age of 33, I no longer have favorite teams that I have no local ties to, but will forever root for those five teams named. Now as an old man, I, came, I care more about the players, the coaches, the fans, the passion, and the atmosphere each game brings. I sit and watch the Premier League the most, and I'm emotionally invested in about 14 out of the 20 teams. LOL. <laughs> United, though, still watch every single match, still emotionally invested, still breaks <coughs> my heart when they lose at home, and they will always be important in my life. The reason why I don't obsess over these European teams is because I realized that all I was waiting for, all I ever needed, was to experience the atmospheres I watched on TV from my couch in bed, and that is what brought me to this very blog today, the Los Angeles Football Club. I'm a current member of the 3252, and chants sing, jump my heart out before, during, and after every single match. This club and this supporter culture is the reason why I have only one club as my actual favorite. LAFC and the 3252 are something I've never experienced in Los Angeles. It is the one thing my, my soccer life has been waiting decades for. Never in my life have I watched a team from the fans and felt like I mattered or felt like I made an impact on the match the way I do for LAFC. Am I crazy? Maybe, but it's a feeling I simply can't explain and I know that I'm not the only one. I'll stop now as I feel like this is getting pretty long. I also love Air Max 1, 90, 95, 97, <laughs> 98, in no particular order. <coughs> and it's checks over stripes and don't bring no 350s round me. I love hardcore, screamo, pop punk, and punk, metalcore and grindcore and everything in between. Thanks for reading, Julio. Second entry. Oof. 
wouldn't be an FCFC without the planes, baby. The eternal question, why LAFC? <coughs> January 24th, 2020. Why LAFC? Why the 3252? I thought you were a Galaxy fan. I thought you didn't like Chivas. We're here. The reason why we are all here. Yes, it is true. I was an LA Galaxy fan from day one. My family took the weekend trips to Pasadena. We played games around the stadium. And I played in Cienfuegos Academy. And yes, also yes, I wear number 13 because Kobe Jones was my favorite player. Trust me, I don't hide any of that information. And it took LAFC about two to three years to convince me. And here is how they did it. First, first of all, shout out to all the homies I made along the way with the Galaxy. In the 19 years of following them, I made like 10 oh. friends. <laughs> and three of them played for the Galaxy. <laughs> it was cool. <laughs> I loved the Galaxy as a kid and thought they were the coolest team in the world until I grew up and realized it just wasn't. I supported them and hoped they won, but for some reason, the connection was never there. I only went to games because of the free tickets I received all the time. They did a, they did a lot of sad things to a lot of dope players and even during the Beckham era, the fans turned on him. After he had to transition from playing for Real Madrid to come play with Carl Martino, Kyle Martino, Kobe Jones, Peter Vajenas in the mid, sorry, no offense, there will never be Figo, Zidane, or Guti, but LA Galaxy fans eventually gave him love. Not here to bash on the Galaxy, just here to talk about not feeling I was a part of anything. I didn't relate to the odd hate between all the supporter crews, I never felt welcome when we bought tickets into the section to get involved. Something simply did not click. After the crappy life that Chivas USA had some years go, after the crappy life that Chivas USA had, some years go by and another team in, comes to Los Angeles. My first thought, why do you want to try this again? <laughs> it didn't work the first time and there isn't enough soccer fans in LA to rival the galaxy. Then friends of mine that didn't follow the MLS said, hey, you hear about LAFC? And this craze started to grow and grow. LAFC then started to start building from the ground up and it took off. Social media posts started to explode. The events with hundreds of people and the chants. All I could think of was like, what the fuck is going on? They don't even have a team. Little by little, I started seeing what this was becoming and how it was being developed within our city. Then in 2017 came Bob Bradley the Crest Launch and Carlos Vela. I remember going to my favorite bar and seeing the homie bartending in an LAFC hat and would think, fuck, this is a community I'm going to pass up and not grow with just to support a team I never felt a part of. It wasn't jumping ship on the team or its history, but leaving something I wasn't a part of and joining a culture that I was looking for my entire life. I said, fuck it. My brother-in-law was trying to convince me to get season tickets to the Galaxy and I said, nah. For the first time in my entire life, I purchased season tickets for a team in Los Angeles. I am a Lakers, Kings, and Angels fans, fan, and never did I think I would want to buy season tickets. But for this team, with only a coach, a logo, a hat, and like five players, I invested my money in LAFC and their safe standing supporter section, the North End. I called my homie Sam and asked, who is your LAFC rep? I'm hitting them up right now. He gave me Rebecca Schneider's info and one quick email I was a season ticket holder for a team that didn't have a, a team or a stadium yet, but somehow had thousands of supporters. From fall 2017 to preseason 2020, just two and a half years later and only two full seasons in, 
I can say this has been the best decision of my life. At the same time this was all happening, I was working for Urban Outfitters as a men's manager and was in the process of transferring to the Amsterdam location that was hiring for my same position. It all stopped when LAFC came into my life. I could be typing this as an Ajax supporter. <laughs> this supporter culture has been like no other you can experience here in Los Angeles. The 3252 has completely taken over my life and supporting my club with my family of supporters is all that matters to me from March to November. I went from casual local fan to a traveling supporter after one game. In two and a half seasons, I've purchased three jerseys, seven scarves, merch from LAFC and the 3252 independent supporters groups. I've been back to Carson as an away supporter and lost my voice supporting our club. I've traveled to Portland with 800 plus fans to take over their traffic and stadium and now waiting to travel to Mexico for a club match. Yes, I miss Seattle. The first ever MLS match. But no way I could ever miss their first ever international match as LAFC faced Leon in the first round of the CONCACAF Champions League. The 3252 and LAFC has brought me so much joy, new friends and passion to my soccer world. And I can't be more excited <coughs> to see what's coming for us in the future. I can't wait to tell you guys more. This is where we have to say it. Oh, Slim, so he also missed the Seattle match, but was smart, but was smart enough to go to Leon. <laughs> Fuck you guys. I can actually hear Julio laughing at you with us right now. This one's titled, Wait, No Home Games, No Friends, on January 29th, 2020. New stadium opens, end of April. Season starts, early March. Okay, now what? So the bank, the stadium, was not going to be ready until the until the seventh game of the season, making the home opener April 29, 2018. But the season started March 3rd, and the first six games were going to be played away. Ugh. It was a weird time for my LAFC transition because other than my homie that helped me get my season tickets, I didn't personally know anyone that was a fan, so it was just me and my TV. I didn't even post much on social media. I didn't want to get judged by anyone for the switch. But here some of the memorable loner moments I spent. But here are some of the memorable loner moments I spent watching this team travel around. The first match was against the 2017 runner-up Seattle Sounders. I've had this realiz realization a few times and I'll keep mentioning every time I come across a moment. But the weekend this match happened, I thought, holy shit, this is going to be bigger than anticipated. The buildup from all the stories being posted all over social media, Friday and Saturday from all the supporter groups and the 3252 that made the trip, FOMO hit me hard. I wanted to take the trip when I got the emails encouraging all season ticket holders to go on the trip, but I thought, damn. I am too socially awkward for me to take this trip with less, less, uh, with 25 other, uh, with less than 25 other LAFC fans. I don't know. Little did I know that was actually, there were. Little did I know it was actually hundreds of fans that took the trip up to Seattle. Shout out Julio. He definitely wasn't like grammatically on point. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday came and I sat in my apartment and watch the absolutely unreal match march to the stadium. This is something I've seen a couple MLS clubs and some of my favorite clubs around the world do. 
not my local team or not the team with the 22 years of building a fan base. It was the club that was playing their first game. Damn, this shit is going to be bigger than anticipated. Then while I'm glued to the TV watching this team play in all black playing fucking awesome soccer, Carlos Vela sees the run of Diego Rossi. He megs the Seattle defender with a perfect pass in Diego's path. And with one touch from right outside of the penalty box, Diego Rossi curls this incredible shot around the keeper for the team's first goal. The emotion that hit my damn soul to watch that ball hit the back of the net, watch the team celebrate together, and the camera switch <clears throat> to the 32-52, absolutely fucking losing it. The fans, team, goal, and win was perfect, and I enjoyed it dolo because I had no LAFC friends yet. <laughs> I hate reading the laughs. It's so awkward. (laughs) I was only able to celebrate it with my old roommate because he was a Timbers fan and was always stoked to see Seattle lose. Win one. The next game was crazy. 5-1 at Real Salt Lake. Again, watch this alone. It was an interesting game because they dominated that team with your typical ref controversy, but LA was far superior. Literally made a statement like Los Angeles has a new team. The Galaxy wasn't looking too good, and as expected in the chaotic and dramatic LA scene, here we go to Carson for the first time ever. March 31st, LAFC travels to Carson. And here I am, the semi-quiet, socially awkward new fan with no 3252 friends. I thought about buying a ticket up until the day of and decided not to go because I just unfortunately had no one that wanted to drop the $100 plus to go with me. My my brother-in-law was not going to go with me because he would not betray the galaxy like that. And he laughs at him. (laughs) So I am home watching the chaos unfold on social media and I see, again, like just like fucking Seattle, hundreds and hundreds of LAFC fans take over a corner of the stadium and spread a good amount throughout the stadium as well. Here comes the thought again. Oh my god, this is getting bigger than I could have expected. Game starts. The 32:52 is all I can hear on TV and I am alone in my apartment losing my fucking mind. Then Vela scores a goal that I can't possibly find the words to explain. It's beyond perfect. It's unexpected. It was simply fucking stunning. The 32:52 loses its absolute shit. Then Vela scores another, a crazy chip that reminds me of a heartbreaking goal Gio scored against the U.S. with Mexico. They go 2-0 at the half and score a third to go up 3-0 shortly after half. No Zlatan yet, no Villian yet, and LAFC is passing the ball around like classic, like a classic keep away, and the stadium erupts with, with the ole after every pass, and I am going bonkers at home. The rest of this game doesn't need any details. <laughs> Game ends 3-4. Galaxy, there's been many moments in my LAFC 32-52 life where I sit and think, how are my feelings for this club this deep already? This game being up 3-0, just rubbing it in everyone's faces, that ends with Zlatan making his Galaxy debut in the second half, scores from 45 yards out, and also scores the winner to put it 3-4, made me feel my first ever heartbreak with this club, and it hit me so hard. From going... From the highest of highs to the absolute lowest of lows, I was rocked, but I knew this club was still it. LAFC then goes off to Atlanta and gets destroyed 5-0. Oh my god, does this team suck? 
can they play under pressure? Yes, they can. And went on to win 2-0 in Vancouver. Tight goal from Simon, but I hate Simon now. Shout out you, and shout out you hating Simon. And then 5-3 at Montreal. Eh, they kind of suck. They shouldn't have been able to score three. And that ends my loner away days with the team that I, I am actually proud to watch. I made sure I watched every game that I could, and I would sit and think, damn, this team can ball, and this is a different style of football. And Bob, we trust. Now we all turn to the end of April, 4-29-2018, my sister's 41st birthday. Oh wait, no, the official first ever home opener for Los Angeles Football Club in the heart of Los Angeles with their brand new beautiful stadium. Was still going to be a loner, but excited to be with the 32-52 final. Oh wait, no. <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna take our we're gonna take our first break. There's a there's a total of nine posts, so we'll just do three per three per segment. I forgot so much of the stuff that he talked about. <laughs> right? It just I think this is so nice having a timeline of. Um, exactly game by game even the lead up to the game i've been hearing about just um the past carson stuff is something that we've we've heard a lot of a lot of different ways um from from different people on like why they've chosen lafc now or why lafc right but man it's cool even hearing about um watching the because like outside of slim i have no like me and you we have no idea what it looks like to to watch that game on tv the first game yes in seattle and so, like, even hearing from, like, watching it and just for us experiencing it and walking through and running through, like, I felt so big in that moment. Like, walking through with, like, 400, 400 people in Seattle being like, yo, I've never been a part of a group like that before. Like, a march, you know? Like, when the hell do you march in life, right? This ain't no, this ain't no protest. This ain't no revival, right? This is, like, for a soccer game. I remember um, Benny Thurs yelling. I remember... Um, um, uh, ben Chi just walking through the crowd, looking all looking all official, <laughs> and just like man, I, I I was just like enamored. I was in love with it, man. The same way that um, Julio must have seen like when people were cut when the TV was cut into the the section, but like just that took me back to like man, how special that that memory in Seattle was. Yeah, no, and like the whole the whole way he walks through like his first hearing about it, like, the doubt surrounding it, like, his experiences with the galaxy, and then, like, how and why, you know, he felt the affinity and he felt it so strongly, yeah. even despite all those experiences. I mean, I can't... There's so few people who were football fans who at least at some point didn't have free season tickets to the galaxy, you know? Mm. And this isn't... It isn't even about, like, shitting on the galaxy. It's like, their games just did not pull you. Like... There wasn't a thing to be a part of, and and I recognize that there's probably you know several groups of people who did manage to find that community, and that's fine. But it was just a totally different experience with LAFC. Like, yeah. it was totally different. the The invitation to like be a part of it from the beginning, obviously, is part of it. But there was something else. There was something more community based, and like Julio articulates it so well. Yeah. And like he he's giving his own thoughts, you know. And he's like, what I loved about these posts when I first read them specifically that very first one it's just like yeah like i'm right there with you like i was i was that guy mm -hmm. you know we're, we're in two different physical bodies but we're in the same mental form which is like 
whoa, this is getting big. Whoa, yeah. I need to be a part of this, you know, and that, and that energy. And I think a lot of people felt that. And I, you know, him not being able to go to Seattle, I'm sure it was like, you know, one of his biggest regrets. That's why he talks about later going to Lyon, right? Because it's like, no one, it's like, those of us who were like in it and went and like, we all kind of knew it was going to be big. Even, even those of us who went, it was more than we thought. If that yeah. makes sense. Like it was more than everyone thought. Mm-hmm. Even the people who had like the craziest dreams, it still mm-hmm. exceeded those. Oh yeah. And so for everyone to have like experienced that same sense of like over the top joy outpouring, like it was a feeling I don't think I'll ever have again in my life, to be honest. Like I think it was a one of a kind, one off thing, like being a part of something like this. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm I was kind of on the same boat with Julio not being able to go to that first game and you know, everything he talks about is everything I was feeling. Like, the stories on Instagram were blowing my fucking mind. Like, to the point where even the next day when I had gotten home, like, all day, I just kept watching those stories. Watching that march up and down. Um, it, it was either Rich or Pat that was already downstairs of the tunnel that you guys were walking down and they yeah. were recording from outside and you could hear the voices echoing out. And I remember that video, like, brought me to tears, where I was like, this is fucking crazy, right? But, yeah, I mean, it's beautiful to, like, for him to put those into words, for everyone to, like, remember those feelings that everybody was feeling during that time. Yeah, and I think the, like, Slim and I got rolled into just, like, going to meetings and planning this stuff so quickly, and it just snowballed, the momentum was so strong, that it just became a huge part of our life. But, I mean, there's definitely... Uh, uh, another, an, another uh, possibility, reality where like I got half involved or I, I missed the boat entirely. It was one meeting that really got us all like really super hyped on and psyched on it to like be like, yo, I know, I know, uh, my boy Aaron like loves to paint. He loves soccer. Maybe he'll be into this. Like, let's let's paint a flag right last minute. I remember meeting you guys like at a, it must have been a preseason game, and then Rich was just introducing everyone as he can. And like these are the things that we take for granted because we're in the space, but. It could easily have been myself looking in the same way that Julio was earlier on when being like, how the hell do I get involved? Like, it's great on social media. It's great on, um, it's great on when it's like on TV, but like, where is, where, where are the people that can actually like get to know? Yeah. And bring me in. And Mm -hmm. it's like, it's a good reminder for me, man. Even just like, there's a lot of Julio still out there in in LA Mm -hmm. where it's like, I like this team. I like what they represent. They've probably been to a few games by now, but it's like, I don't really have a home there. Um, and that reminds me, like, bro, like, everyone doesn't have the same experiences of sitting through council meetings yeah. and sitting through a safe standing meetings and, like, getting to know, like, more than enough people, right? And that's, it's a good reminder for me to be like, Yeah, his Yo, story yeah. is actually the more common story, you yeah. know what I mean? So, right, right, right. Yeah, we, we, we forget that, like, we were just kind of thrown into this world, like, through, through chance and, you know, yeah. like an opportunity that just kind of came up. But, yeah, man, it's, it's like, beautiful to, to kind of just remember again. You know what I mean? Well, and how, and how honest he is about feeling like an outsider. Like, yeah. he's, he feels like he's part of it, but he's, like, he doesn't know where he fits yet, mm-hmm. like, in these early days. And I think what's so cool is he's writing this in 2020. Mm-hmm. So we all know, and he knew, how the story ends for mm-hmm. him and, right. like, how involved he does get. But he's, like, he did such a good job about like, remembering, there, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, remembering exactly where he was in the moment. So let's move on to the next three of our nine posts. Post four, LA chaos and heartbreaks. January 31, 2020. Maybe off topic. 
maybe definitely on topic. <laughs> it's like sounds like our podcast right now. <laughs> but there is nothing that represents Los Angeles like Kobe Bryant. This Sunday, 1, January 26, 2020, Los Angeles was struck with the biggest heartbreak in our history. The morning after LAFC's 2-0 win in their Season 3 opener for a preseason match against Uruguay's Peñarol, I can't explain how amazing that evening was to be back with the 32-52 and all the homies I didn't see during preseason. As I'm lying in bed watching Manchester United destroy this weak team on TV, and trust me, this means a lot because United sucks so much. They needed, <laughs> they needed that confidence. In this very chill morning before getting up to play in my Sunday league, I get a text that simply says, damn, Kobe died. I sat up and froze for a bit. Not sure if it was for a few seconds or a few minutes. I just did not know how to feel or what to think. I jumped on Twitter and just tweeted, no way. Then scrolled through Twitter and saw that Kobe had died in a helicopter accident. Before I continue, yes, I'm extremely sad for Gigi and the girls on that helicopter and of course sad for every single person that lost their life that day and the affected families. This post will mainly be about Kobe and I apologize if anyone feels some type of way for that. I'm not going to sit here and tell you how much I love the Lakers and how much basketball meant to me because of Kobe because that would be a lie. I watched the Lakers because of Kobe and it was awesome to make fun of Clipper fans and Boston fans because of Kobe. Kobe came to Inglewood as a, as a 17 year old kid. Think about it. How sick is that? He came to the team that plays in my neighborhood and from day one we all knew he was going to be unreal along with bringing championships to Los Angeles and being a and being a winner being being a winner and winning us all over with his hunger to be the absolute best there were a couple of other instances where Kobe had huge impact in all of our lives Kobe started off as an Adidas player but when he switched over to <laughs> Nike he was able to touch our lives in some crazy ways we never expected <laughs> such a psycho. I've always it. I've always been through some phases Ugh. Been a Nike hype beast all my life, so it was amazing to see him switch to the swoosh. I worked for Nike from 2010 to 2015. I worked for Nike Town in Beverly Hills and was super fortunate to work events around the city with Nike. It's honestly hard for me to go into much detail because there was so much, but with all the endless launches and all the events, it was hard not to feel like we also worked for Kobe or he was just another Nike employee like us. There was always an overwhelming excitement in the customers that got to purchase and the launch shoes and or experience the events at places like Nike Vault or the Maltabon Theater. And as a Nike retail employee, you simply do not know what it means to be selected to represent Nike slash Kobe at these events. Shout out to the neighbors right now that are just bumping the crazy dance tunes. Yeah, they're definitely on ecstasy right now. <laughs> it was also incredible to get a free... <laughs> it was also incredible to get a free pair of Kobe's from Nike. Or, yeah, Kobe's from Nike. It meant more than any other shoe. It was almost always around the time a new model dropped, so it hit your heart so much harder when you knew you might get a pair of the Del Sol colorway, which was his distinctive yellow Nike used for, for his Laker colorways. This post isn't about Nike or free <laughs> shoes, <laughs> but not understanding the impact of Kobe, uh, but, but on understanding the impact Kobe made on us by simply working for a brand. Anytime any one of us got a chance to meet or interact with Kobe, we would lose it and celebrate like, it like, damn, you made it, you met Kobe. Kobe meant we could do better and we could work harder if we simply focused on our fundamentals. He showed us to be as diverse as much as possible and that we can learn from anything and everything. He showed us how to handle pressure, be fearless and strike fear in anyone that wants to stop you. I never knew how much Kobe meant to me in this city. 
I never knew I could feel so sad and actually shed tears over a pro athlete. I never in a million years expected to even outlive Kobe. Kobe was invincible, unstoppable, immortal, and Los Angeles. I hope there's closer for all of us, but as tragic as it was to the city and the world, it has been incredible for all of us, and I mean all of us, to come together as we mourn the loss of a family member. Maybe we didn't all get to meet him, have a conversation, watch him play, or even see him from a distance, but he definitely made a, a significant impact on us all. I'll be forever grateful for all the emotions and memories he brought us all, and having made so many opportunities to see him from 50 to 500 feet away. I know we'll all move forward with the Mamba mentality and thrive to be the best we can. It's been very hard to talk to people in person about how I feel about Kobe, so I just needed to drop a random line here. I see what he means, I see what he meant to a lot of people and it's been incredibly moving to see every athlete from all over the world, brands, stores, celebrities, friends, Laker fans, rivals, Kobe haters, chefs, pro teams in every sport, and even leagues, sports friends, and all come together and drop a line on what it means to us and them. It's been a true heartbreak, but it's been inspiring to actually see how much this actually brought us all together. Thanks, Kobe. R.I.P. Kobe. Mamba out. Kobe. The official Los Angeles Football Club home opener, February 2nd, 2020. The Los Angeles Football Club comes home. Will I still be a loner? Most likely. Anxious? Yes. Nervous? Yes. Sick? Yes. Overwhelmed? Yes. Well, let me start with, this was on my sister's B-Day, and I only have one sibling. <laughs> Her husband, my brother-in-law, my FIFA opponent for the past 17 years, is a Galaxy fan, and was hurt by my Switch. <laughs> he literally ran out. <laughs> my LAFC start was on fire. Let's fucking go. Sunday, April 29th, 2020, LAFC and the 3252 get their first ever home match, and I'm fucking losing it. By this point, one other friend decided to get season tickets for the North End with some of my peer pressure. Until this day, made it only to two North End matches, gave me his ticket every match, and eventually gave up his season tickets for normal seats somewhere in the stadium. He also missed the home opener. So since they were playing Seattle, I invited a Seattle hater, aka a Timbers fan, aka my old roommate to the North End with me. I made it a thing to make sure we were early enough to check out the tailgate scene and obviously join the 3252 march into the stadium an hour before kickoff. Jeez, remember when we said march? Ugh. <laughs> I didn't make it into the big march. It felt too awkward to jump in. <laughs> but we finished our beers and followed them in right after. And oh shit, we are inside the Bank of California Stadium. This is the, cool, the coolest stadium I saw in model size in the LAFC Experience Center where I took a virtual tour of the stadium and virtually see what my view will be from the north end. Virtually didn't do it justice. The stadium is decently full as I'm standing kind of high up in the north end with old roommate and the homie that convinced me to get the season tickets. We have a beer on our hands and a gold foil sheet of paper. Everything was so overwhelming that I couldn't really focus on much. The crowd was stoked. The 3252. Yo, the neighbors are so lit right now. The 3252 were making their noise. <laughs> there were huge LAFC letters in the middle of the field that shot fire from the top. Oh, they don't do that anymore either. A falcon that flew around the stadium, and then it all stopped, and my love for the 3252 hit my fucking soul. I may not be that patriotic, but I do support the national anthem in soccer slash sporting events. Hashtag, I'm with Cap, though. 
But as I grew up watching these epic matches in the World Cup my entire life, there was nothing like the team singing their national anthem with the crowd at the top of their lungs. Announcers say, please stand and remove your caps as we ask the South, East, and West to join the 3252 in singing our national anthem. Wow, that's on point. <laughs> and they got so silent for 1.7 seconds, you could hear a pin drop. Then you hear a loud but muffled, one, two, three. And we sang the fuck out of the national anthem. And at that moment, I 100% knew, oh my God, this is it. This is going to be incredible. The 3252 blew me away more than I could ever have possibly imagined. And I saw the buildups at Carson and Seattle away from home. We sang, we chanted, and we were part of the match. I chanted, but was so focused on the match. It was my first time seeing this team play, and Seattle came into soil our party. This game was pretty good. Both teams had their decent chances. We make it to the last minute maybe like 89th or something, and the game is nil-nil. And it was like, damn, I hate Seattle even more. They're ruining our home opener. <laughs> then a foul happens, and LAFC get, gets a free kick about 25 to 30 yards from the Seattle goal. Then the bank woke up. Remember the gold foil sheets? Well, people brought them back out around the entire stadium. The 3252 erupts with LA, FC, LA, FC. And the rest of the stadium joins all while everyone is waving their gold foil. Lauren Simon lines his ball up, runs up, and fires a bullet straight at the Seattle keeper. And somehow in the 93rd minute with the entire stadium waving their gold foil and we chant LAFC at the top of our lungs, the ball hits the back of the net. The bank goes bonkers. I was in shock, jaw on the floor, overwhelmed by the joy and chaos. I have never hugged so many strangers in my life. <laughs> I felt like... I even got choked up watching the entire team run towards Bob Bradley, our incredible and genius coach, to celebrate together. I felt like we were all in that huddle with them. A minute more of play and game ends. LAFC wins the home opener and LAFC once again beats Seattle. Beautiful. I watched the team, the stadium, and the 3252 for the first time and we won. I knew I made the right choice and I already knew I was more than in love with this club and our supporters. This is what I've been waiting for my whole life. This is what I've been wanting my whole life. This is what I've watched endless videos on YouTube. This is the shit I had to hear from Timbers and Sounders fans about real support. And it was finally in the city I am proud to represent and live in. As cheesy as it is, I was finally home. I have fun with this one, bro. This one's a fucked up one. <sighs> Fast forward, 32-52 goes to Carson again. August 24th, 2018, MLS Rivalry Week. So first year, LAFC is in the league. There was three matches versus Carson away. Away, home, and away. Uh, they could have been... There could have been one more home match in the playoffs, but Carson failed to make the playoffs. <laughs> Hit him with the LOLs. Sick way to... Say it, bro. Sick way to stand up for your place in the city in the city losers. <laughs> LAFC <laughs> lost in the first round though. Rough. So this match was important because this was my first time going back to that stadium as a rival. I was fucking stoked. Listen, I've seen the Galaxy win a title a few times there and been to playoff games and everything. Trust me, it doesn't get that loud. I was ready to help take over that stadium. This was a fucking crazy day. 
the week of the game, me, Eva, Juan, oh, these fools, decided, fuck it, we're going to this game. The game at the at the bank had some trouble and altercations, so we were a little worried it could get ugly, but we weren't going to miss another away game. We were watching tickets all week, and last minute, Juan couldn't go, and Eva got us free tickets. What? Let's fucking go. Then... They advised we arrive together and hop on a traveling bus. They sent out a special link and just told us to arrive at the bank at noon. Game was at 7 p.m. and hope to make it on. We get there early, we eat at the fields and make it on the bus. Let's fucking go. We hit the road and get on the freeway and the palms and my palms hit the waterworks. Nerves, anxiety hit hard. On the bus, we start to chant and sing along and just kind of have fun while we sit in annoying LA traffic. But in a flash, we arrive at Dignity Health Sports Park, a.k.a. Stub Hub Center, a.k.a. Home Depot Center. Let me explain something. Never in the history of rivalry games in Carson has an away team ever taken over their stadium. So when 3252 took over the stadium in the first match, now they knew what to expect and had to stop us from the takeover. We found that out the second the bus is parked. We go through the metal detectors and all, and they started to separate us in groups of 20 to 25, so we couldn't march in together. We had loads of buses that drove us and hundreds of others that drove in their own cars and were waiting for us to march in together. Ha ha ha, and the security stopped us. We marched in, scarves up, but in very, very small groups. Once we got to our away section, the ushers tried everything they could to separate us in, in our general admission section. Five went one way, then they would send the next five a different row, aisle, ha ha ha, but we quickly rearranged ourselves to sit with who we wanted, where we wanted. The three, two, five, two, two hours before kickoff. In Rich's video, you can hear us already going off. But if you listen closely, as we get louder, so did the PA above us trying to silence us. They had to have it. They had to have had it at full blast at one point because we were yelling at the top of our voices before the match even started. One of my favorite things are the impromptu shit the 3252 does on the go. We decided that while they were announcing their starting 11 over the PA, we would turn our backs to the field and held each other shoulder to shoulder, rock side to side, chanted even louder. And it was amazing. Sorry for getting this wrong, but we also sing along with the national anthem over their singer, just like we do it at the bank. Not sure if that was before or after us turning our back. Then the game starts, and our Dolly Dolly Black and Gold goes the fuck off. Jesus, this is exactly what I wanted to feel. Utter chaos and absolute unity. They also went off and were loud in the beginning, but couldn't keep up the whole 90. We took the stadium over, even though Carson played their ass off in the first half. Zlatan scored early and hit the post. They could have been up like four goals at the half, but it was 1-0. Second half, LAFC played amazing and outplayed Carson. But even though they could have scored three to four goals, they only scored a penalty. But this penalty, as Vela lined up for it, the Dali Dali chance went off as the rest of the stadium was quiet or trying to boo him. Our ch chants got louder and louder, but for a quick second, there was a silent moment right as Vela is about to run up. And he runs up and scores, and we fucking lose it. We cheer the goal as a team as the team runs to our corner, and we let the loudest dale dale of the, <coughs> of the night out. And 
I was a bit overwhelmed. This is what it was like celebrating a goal in Carson. We celebrated the shit out of that goal. <laughs> and it set the tone for the rest of the match because we only got louder and louder. We missed a bunch of chances and could have been up, could have won, but the 1-1 was cool. Just like we were in the stadium before everyone else, we were we had to stay in our section until the stadium cleared out. All we did was stand and chant our asses off even after the match was over. The best part, we were sitting right next to their supporters, Angel City Brigade, and as they were getting escorted out by security, they were throwing shit at us and fighting within themselves. Ha ha ha. <laughs> and all we did was continue singing. Then we marched out together as we chanted throughout their stadium and all the employees we were s sitting and filming us because they never, they've never seen this in person before. Ha ha ha. Overall, it was an incredible experience to be a part of, and honestly, it felt fucking good rooting against the Galaxy. It was fucking awesome chanting louder than the home team. I loved every fucking second of it. I spent... Uh, every fucking second I spent in the away corner. After this match, I knew I would never miss another away day in Carson. I'll see you soon, Carson. I can't wait for our first win at, the st at that stadium. Can't wait to hit a shalala <coughs> in that fucking stadium. It's going to happen this season. We're going to take our second break, be back with some tea time, three more posts, and some more thoughts. Tea time. We back. Tea time backyard we just hit another three Julio posts we got three more to go I don't know guys what did you uh, what did you think of this this last round what me what memories came up from your memories I asked Slim right away is like did we really get to the bank at noon to go to Carson at a 7 p.m. kickoff and <laughs> hell yeah we did we that one was messy too. Fuck. We used to do some some shit. Yeah. To get to these games. Do you remember feeling like um, there was danger involved with that? Is that was like I remember being super serious about like security protocol and all that stuff. It's, yeah, I mean, it, it actually hits harder for us because we're part of like the security meetings and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. But definitely, like like you said, like there were more expectations because. Yeah, like, they definitely weren't happy that we took over their stadium the first time. Yeah. They weren't expecting it. They weren't ready. Like, yeah, so, like, them expecting us to be there like that also had the expectancy of them trying some stuff. So we were definitely on high alert. Yeah. I do remember the PA system right over, right over mm -hmm. our heads, blasting mm -hmm. music. That I was... mean, they tried a bunch of stuff. They tried throwing rubber mats under our feet. Yeah. Like, you know. They like, took away our drums. Yeah, and... It's it's beautiful to see, like, even with um, this San Jose match that's coming up, like, San Jose's terrified of the 3252. They they will only allocate us 100 tickets, cause, and the, the deal is, like, whatever you allocate us, we're going to allocate to you. But they know that they can only get, like, 100 people down here from San Jose, so they're cool with 100 fucking tickets. But it's just some real, like, bitch-ass shit where, like, people are scared. They know what the fuck we do. And, you know, like, it started from the beginning, and 
like it's just dope to like recount all those memories of like yeah going to the bank at at noon for a 7 p.m. match and just being on the bus and <laughs> fucking going ape shit and you know like there's there's excitement there's you know aggression and then there's also like that anxiety that's coming you know what i mean there's a mixture of all these things when you're in that bus heading to Carson so yeah man like it's it's I'm so thankful that he he put these like memories into words and in a way that you know like Julio would say it and and just bring it to life. Yeah, I think Julio saying reminded me that um, the Galaxy security personnel were taking videos of us. That's such a good indication, like that that this is new, you know. And this is like early days when you don't know what the hell the, mm. a new team is gonna bring to your stadium. But it was just like. Bro, that's I. I remember after as we were leaving, we were singing, and all of them had their phones out, taking taking video yeah. of us. Well, and I love like that he, you know, again, this is like a couple of years later that he's recounting these, mm-hmm. like his his own memories, the little details that he noticed. Yeah, this fool is a fucking stoner too. I don't know how his fucking memory is so damn good. It's amazing. <laughs> but also, like, he's also really, like I was saying before, really sincere. I mean, he really isn't trying to like full blown shit on the galaxy. He obviously had like childhood memories with them, but like. I, I don't know. I feel like he's like a really even-handed narrator about this shit. You know, like he's very much like, yeah, as we're on the way out, like they were filming us yeah, because they had yeah. never seen something in that stadium, and he knows because he was in that stadium a lot, right? Mm-hmm. So, he, I, he I love that even more because he's not trying, but it's just so fucking obvious. It's like the fucking sky's blue. Yeah, yeah. Sky's black. We've got the uh, hoji cha, fresh batch of hoji cha. One of the many, delicious. many. Uh, goods i brought back from japan i gave these guys their goods uh beforehand and i you know poured poured up four cups here one for for julio and we're going to keep reading his uh next three posts and we'll talk about those as we keep it moving Concacaf champions league round one away february 29th 2021 the Concacaf champions league is a tournament made out of the champions of north and central american soccer leagues it's a little more complicated than that, but that's the easiest way to explain it. And we're moving on. So we've known about it since about October that LAFC had qualified for this tournament, and we knew we had our first international f- match in the near future. But the question and stress was, who will LAFC have to face? These matches have an, a home and away game, so where will we go? Mexico City to face America? Costa Rica to face Saprissa? We're all hoping for a sick place. I was hoping we didn't have to face Alianza from El Salvador because I have zero intentions to go back to my family's motherland. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to sound like a flex, but I promise it isn't. It's just how it played out. We are on vacation, but we are on vacation when the CCL draw happened to know who was facing who. The draw was going to happen around 6 p.m. LA time, and I was scheduled to land at 8 p.m. at LAX from a nine-hour flight, so I'd be landing to some news. The draw happens and we get Leon. Bruh, what? Who? Fuck. <laughs> Leon is from Mexico and they play in Guanajuato. Once I mentally relax from not being in Costa Rica or Mexico City, I realize how sick it'll be to face Leon. Currently one of Mexico's best teams, and when will we ever get to check out Guanajuato? Maybe this CCL can help travel to places I wouldn't ever get to to support LAFC. Well, at this point, we know it's versus Lyon, and it'll be February 18th to 20th. Date not yet confirmed. So, what do we do the very next day? Yep, we buy a flight for February 20, or 18th to the 21st. No matter what, 
I am going wherever LAFC is going for their first ever match outside the country. T uh, Twitter then informs me that a ton of people did the same thing. Teeter. Teeter. <laughs> Twitter ends up informing me. A ton of people do the same thing. And leading up to this match, I start to realize that the 3252 is going to travel deep. Yes, we are. Guanajuato was incredible. And that on its own is a whole <laughs> different topic. But food, amazing. People, amazing. City, amazing. I would highly recommend it. I just don't recommend staying in the city of Lyon. Trust and stay towards where all the touristy and amazing things are, like the Mummy Museum and all that, or Papilla. Now for the important part, game day. We are told to meet at this plaza at 1 p.m., marching to the stadium at 7 to 7.30, and the match is at 9 p.m. We get to this plaza. <laughs> I hate how much time we use. <laughs> we get to this plaza around 4 p.m., and it's literally like getting everyone from the tailgates and teleported them to a random plaza in Leon, Mexico. Ha, 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 ha. So many familiar faces and colors. Then the party starts. Put it this way. There were two bars and over 600 people, so they ran out of beer, and it wasn't even all the 3252 members attending the match. The damn plaza went full-blown North End loudness right as they were gathering everyone, and we started to march. At this moment, we walk out of the plaza, blocking traffic in both directions as we get escorted by police to the stadium. This is what fucking dreams are made of. <laughs> Bruh, I am a supporter's hype beast. I watch endless videos of the biggest supporters around the world traveling from country to country and get police escorts through the city to the stadium on Champions League away days. And now we're going to do it in Mexico? Here's the catch. Fuck the Leon front office because we walked for it felt like six days and we're dead and exhausted <laughs> when we got to the stadium. Once we got to the stadium, we were now sober, hungry, tired, and so thirsty. We make it into our little cage and there is no water, beer, food, clean bathroom, or anything. We're treated like shit, and it was cool. <laughs> we were the visitors, and outside of the U.S., visitors aren't really welcomed. Still pretty fucking amazing experience. Intro start, and the 3252 shit their pants a little bit. <laughs> we came into this chest out, head up, with a mentality of no one can stop us, we're the best in MLS. Well, this wasn't the MLS. We were confident to make it... We were confident to make all the noise needed to root for our club without drums, until Leon's supporters and the rest of the stadium joined this this chant that sounded like Leon Leon rah 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 we were like oh okay okay cool <laughs> we got this <laughs> Leon kicks off and they start their chant vamos Leon in the same <coughs> song we do Los Angeles chant and they're so loud we actually can't hear ourselves and can't stay on rhythm in our starting chant like oh okay okay this is a uh, crazy the entire first half, we moved capos around the section and did everything we could, but for some reason, we simply couldn't stay on rhythm for any song. We blamed the people in the front. They sucked. LOL. JK, JK. <laughs> also, the thousand fans that were in the cage, not everyone was a North End supporter, so maybe not everyone was used to singing these songs, but we kept trying. Then, Leon scores. Oh my god, that stadium erupted. Look, I've been to a losing ma away match and heard a stadium lose their lame shits over Zlatan. This wasn't even 15% of that. They scored and it felt like I got punched in the mouth. But by, by this moment, snacks, soda, and water are being sold in these big plastic cups like any sporting event. I will say LAFC is slipping on the snacks. Leon had three tacos in a cup type of snacks. <laughs> Wait, what? Leon had three tacos in a cup type of snacks. Fire! <laughs> 
Halftime, 1-0, and someone has a fucking brilliant idea to get all the empty cups and use those as drumsticks to hit against the plastic seats to be able to drum and help everyone keep the rhythm of our chants. Second half starts, and we're fucking back. We were able to chant for most of the second half, but Leon was, ball- was bawling out. The stadium was trying to drown us out, but they kept getting louder and louder. As full time was coming to a close, 88 minutes into the game, an El Munier mess up, and Leon scores again. Puts them up 2-0. The entire stadium loses their shit and we're stunned. I did not know what it felt like to have a whole stadium hate you that loudly and celebrate in your face that loudly <laughs> until Leon did it to us. Final score, 2-0. Then the supporters changed and gave us a standing ovation for the passion we showed and we were able to exchange scarves and jerseys with Leon fans to show love, respect, and gratitude we had for each other. We got escorted out by their riot squad and again, Leon fans were outside clapping for us because they've never seen traveling support like this. And not just a traveling fan base, but the fact that we're from Los Angeles, we're from that American league that doesn't have supporters. It was unheard of that a thousand MLS fans traveled away for a CCL match in another country. LFC and 3252 did it. It was incredible and humbling experience, but knew the team had an uphill battle to overcome the two nil, but we will show them how the 32 does it at home. Overwhelmingly amazing experience. I remember when we started that match and the chance started, I couldn't help but to get a little emotional. I couldn't believe that in just two years this was actually possible. And walking down the streets of Leon with TSG, Expos, Cuervos, the, four, the 420 homies, nine, uh, District 9 Ultras, Luckies and BA, and more. Like we were all there. I know a ton of people couldn't make it, but I feel like everyone did their best to represent themselves, their group, their club, and the 3252. It's also been amazing coming back to LA and running into all these 3252 members I did not know until I met them in Leon. This was originally supposed to to all fit both matches in one post. Looks like I'm going to have to do a separate match or a separate post for the home match. CONCACAF Champions League round 1, home, March 4th, 2020. And we're back at the bank in black. <laughs> the Max Fredo's famous lie. Well, we were back home, and the media excitement has given me fucking anxiety from how much LAFC and Rich hyped me up this game. This game had a lot of anticipation because both club and supporters did not have their best possible performances in Leon. Ha 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 ha. Remember, we couldn't get our shit together in the stands, so man, were we fucking ready to lose our shits. We had a very short pregame, midweek game. We showed up at like 4.30ish and was in the stadium by 5.30, two hours before kickoff. During the pregame, we chilled, hung out, caught up with people we haven't seen since last season, and meeting up with friends we made in Leon and drank beer. It was like, we made in Leon, dot, 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 and drank beer. We chatted a bit to get the vocals loose, but nothing too crazy. Honestly, a lot more quiet and calm than usual, and it kind of gave me even more anxiety. Ha. Side note, we had purple sheets on every seat, and some had white ones, and everyone that had the white one also had a white tee to throw on. We knew something Kobe-related was coming, and I was too ready. We had a really crappy song picked by the CONCACAF, Seven Nations Army by the White Stripes. Bro, what year is it? And how lame do they think we are to actually like this song? But whatever, not the point. (laughs) (laughs) The purple and white sheets rise. Our TIFO, banners that supporters rise before the match starts, rises and it's a picture of Kobe and Gigi that reads Kobe and Gigi forever. We chant Kobe, Kobe, Kobe as the banner stands tall over the North End. I may or may not have shed a couple tears. Shit was an unbelievable way to start this night. Then, as the banner drops and a solid minute before kickoff happens, the North End goes the fuck off. 
with the loudest dale dale black and gold possible. I felt like I had strained my voice 45 seconds in and the true beauty of this was that we didn't even prep for this. We didn't sit and talk about giving it our all. We didn't hype each other up to get this loud. It just fucking happened. It's like we knew this is what we had to do to help our club win. Game time. LAFC comes out strong and so intense, chasing every ball and swarming players after losing the ball. I was immediately impressed and stoked to see them go after it. As we chanted our asses off, we were also focused on the game. Look, I'm a soccer nerd, so I watch and chant the entire match, full 90, but this game, the eyes glued to the field from everyone was crazy. No one wanted to miss a second, but we never stopped chanting. Also, there were like 3,600 people in North End. Haha, <laughs> most more than the 3252. It was sick. Gave me South American vibes that I was hoping, I was always hoping for. Back to the game. Unfortunately, we <coughs> found out very early on that Leon was playing with their 12th man behind them as well. The fucking ref. LAFC scored two goals that were called off sides that were incorrect, and one or two players received a yellow very early in the match. Maybe not our night after all. Finally, Vela, of course it's Vela, scores a goal to put LAFC up 1-0 in the game, but still down 1-2 on aggregate. The team absolutely dominates Leon all first half, and they get very minimal chances, except when our keeper Vermeer almost gifted a goal to Leon by not being able to complete a pass to the defender. Ugh. I, we, almost all lost our fucking minds. That goal would have been brutal because then LAFC would have to win 4-1. Oof, horrible scenario. Halftime, 1-0. Phenomenal, phenomenal performance by our team so far considering they scored three goals in the half. As mentioned before, the two disallowed goals were such a punch in the gut for us because we celebrated the fuck out of those goals. You don't understand the euphoria and uncontrollable emotions of feeling we can turn this around then quickly taken away. I hugged people so hard and so tightly, jumped off, jumped and cheered, yelled with everything I had for nothing. It almost took away from our celebration when Vela actually scored. We cheered again, but it was almost muffled. On to the second half. Look, I'll be honest, the second half, very, very mentally spotty, but not because I wasn't sober. I was pretty sober, but for some reason, all I can remember is chanting my fucking ass off. Hearing the crowd go off for some of my favorite chants like Somos el Barrio, Angel Somos el Barrio Angelino, and the stadium joining in on the call to arms, man, what a wild 45 minutes. LAFC still dominated, but with tired legs. Not sure when during the game this happened, but Rossi missed the sitter, a goal he would score 100 out of 100 times, and even he knew it, and we knew it. Fuck, we're going to think back on this moment, but guess who scores again? Of course it is, Vela. Vela oh. scored a tap in from a pass from Tristan and we lose our minds. We tied it. We turn this shit the fuck around. We are 1,000% still in this, and we want more. Then, Rossi has the ball on the left wing. He turns back like he's going to pass it back to a midfielder, but then turns back towards goal and gets to the, gets to the top of the box. He attempts to take the Leon defender in speed, but is unsuccessful and goes for the cross. Rossi crosses. Listen, when that ball left his foot, I immediately assumed it was going to get stopped, punched, pushed away by the Leon keeper. From my angle, all I can see if, is if the keeper dives, the ball goes way over his hand, the ball hits the back post and goes in. Even typing this brings so much emotions and a bit of tears to my eyes because it was a feeling I can't really describe. We have had an unreal celebration, but this one hit different. Two leg time in the Champions League versus the best team in Mexico, bruh, this hit different. When the ball hit the back of the net, we cried, yelled, jumped, hugged while hugging and just was going absolutely bonkers. I hugged and high-fived so many strangers, so many people around us, and with my outside hooligans, we literally held each other in tears and yelled, ugh, 
Just words. I don't know what the fuck I was yelling, but I know I yelled something. <laughs> Turning back to see my TSG homies, and I can see the pure and genuine emotion and almost a disbelief. Like we're crying and hugging because we knew it could happen, but it could it would be the biggest task LAFC has ever encountered. 3-0 in the game, 3-2 on aggregate. Could this really happen? It's going to fucking happen. It then followed 15 minutes of agony as Leon tried to attack and LFC doing their best to hold the ball and keep Leon from attacking. I remember chanting and watching their number 10 get the ball in the LFC half and take a shot from 25 yards out and Vamir was stunned and didn't even get a chance to see it coming. He didn't even attempt to dive. It would have been a true dagger in all of our hearts, but luckily it went wide. By the time the final whistle blew, we were already in party mode. Every song and chant was done at the top of our lungs. We all jumped together, we all yelled together. We could hear the echo of everyone joining all of our chants. I remember call to arms echoed throughout the stadium to the point where more tears and emotions were flowing out. It was that full stadium participation that we always, that we were always dying, begging for. As a supporter of European soccer, the drama behind all of the tournaments, they have to play in the fairy tale stories some team gets a ride. This was a moment for me. This was it felt like this is what it felt like knocking out an international opponent. Yeah, we've beat we've beat teams in the Open Cup and even beat the Galaxy in the playoffs. But this one for us was the one that that took care about the world sport. The ones that feel like are in the tune with the biggest tournaments in the world. This was so much bigger. After everything that happened in Leon and all of the anxiety, hype and sleepless nights thinking about this game, it all fucking paid off in the way only LAFC can do it for all of us. We rose together in the stands, and I don't care what anyone thinks or says, we helped our team fight back. We won on the pitch and in the stands. We won this together. Now we face Cruz Azul, and sadly I'm poor and can't go to Azteca, but you best believe Cruz Azul will hear from the 3252 as well. Nine. PDX away, finally. March 22nd, 2020. So, it's currently day 8-ish of quarantine. Can't leave my apartment, there aren't any sports, so decided to type up a tight experience. In 2019, during LAFC's second season, I finally took my trip to my second favorite place in the West Coast, Portland. I've had ties to Portland basically my entire adult life. Not many people know this, but I worked a short amount of time at Adidas. It was the start of my retail career. Can't start with the best, am I right? What? <laughs> <laughs> and I got to travel with the brand and check out PDX a few times. My true sneaker sportswear brand has always been, unfortunately and fortunately, forever will be Nike. So I've always wanted to go to Portland, Beaverton, to Portland slash Beaverton to check out the Nike HQ. So since around 2012-ish to 2013-ish, I've been taking yearly trips up to Portland and they have always revolved around Nike. But I've always wanted to check out Providence Park since I have so many homies that are diehard Timbers fans. Unfortunately, I would go to PDX in the winter, so I was never there during an MLS season until I added a second trip in 2019. Quick note, for my birthday in January 2019, I was laying in bed and thought, man, let's go to Portland and copped a ticket for a match while LAFC was away from, from the bank. Fuck. It was the trip to New York to play NYCFC. Ugh, I should have been, I should have just gone to New York instead. I fucked up. So I went to PDX in, in March and told everyone, yo, I'll be back in June. 
I finally go to Providence Park with LAFC. Everyone thought it was cool and dope for me to finally experience the Timbers Army. Whoa, scary, right? This was way too early in the season, and no one really knew what the fuck the 3252 was about to do in season two. As we fast forward to June towards the weekend away, I just have to remind everyone, there was a small but mighty group that took over the Yankee Stadium versus NYCFC and then the big one, the San Jose takeover. Over 1,000 LAFC slash 3252 members took over the Earthquake Stadium to make it a home game for LA's comfortable 5-0 win in San Jose. One of those moments again, oh shit, this is going to be wild. One thing we noticed is that Portland didn't have any home games until uh, June 1st versus LAFC. So their home opener will be against us. Oh, fuck, let's fucking go. (laughs) Since before the season started, everyone had the Portland game circled. Then the talk talk started happening. Away tickets started selling out. Hotels and Airbnbs went up, especially after what happened in San Jose. Timber, Timber fans were like, nah, that's not happening at our home opener. So we got closer to the trip, and only four outside hooligan members could make the trip. And we're not really sure what to expect. This is my first ever away game outside of L.A. County, and we get word that 300 to 400 fans are traveling. Then 400 to 500, and then, oh shit, it's over a little over 500. The four of us are kind of scattered around Portland, and we were told to meet at a McMenemis? Mc- Menemis pub. If I were there, I probably would have known how to say it. There were a few around downtown Portland, so me and one of the homies meet up on our way to meet with the other two outside hooligan members and the rest of the supporters. As we get there, it's a full bar of LAFC supporters, and the talks start rising again. There's actually over 700 of us in the city. Anyways, Liverpool just beat Tottenham in Champions League final, and all I cared about is getting some beers in me before we get to to march to the stadium. I look at my map and I think, oh cool, just down a few blocks down the street. And then the chants go off and we start a full-blown party in the pub out of nowhere I hear, let's go, and people start chugging their beers, closing closing out and making their way outside. About 15 people make it outside when the black and gold smoke bombs go off. Five minutes later, there are 200 people outside on the sidewalks and traffic begins to back. Ten minutes after that, the bar is almost cleared out and the street is covered with fans and we start our march. We smoke joints, popped off smoke bombs, marched towards the stadium and completely destroyed all traffic. We even marched through a block full of timbers, bars, and they talked their shit and we talked our shit, but no real conflict. We're only rivals on the pitch. We made it to the stadium. As we stuck out our chest, as we stuck our chest out, as we marched through their city a bit, they got us back. Uh, they only had one metal detector, so they corralled us next to their stadium <laughs> under the summer sun and roasted us and sobered us up for about two hours. Then we finally made it into stadium, and they had us in one away section but took seven but the 700 plus took over two and a half sections so as we start to warm up our vocals we can hear how loud the timbers army can get so we know they're loud they are the tifo masters and have had their cult supporters for a long time but we were ready to, to ruin their homecoming we knew their tifo was going to be sick we knew they were going to go bonkers 
So a bunch of 3252 members were going up and down the rows and sections letting everyone know we go absolutely apeshit when the anthem finishes. Just wait for the signal from the drummer. They have someone to sing their anthem and as they start, so do we. We sing the anthem the way we do at the stadium. They finish their anthem and we're already anticipating the drum signal because we finished singing the anthem like five seconds before them. I am literally getting chills typing this. And in my head, I feel like for a quick, quick, quick second, there's total silence. I look over to the Timbers army and see their TIFO being raised and then bang, bang. Dale, 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 black and gold, bang, bang. It was so loud, it was deafening. I couldn't hear anything for like two, three seconds. I just remember looking around and I could see all my friends I recognized, 20 to 30 people around me all losing their fucking minds. We didn't hear anything from the Timbers Army. Even a homie of mine sitting in a section across from the 3252 texted me, holy shit, y'all loud. Hearing us shut the stadium down brought legit tears to my eyes. And all I could think was, damn, man, we're in Portland. We're not at our stadium, but we're going to make our team feel home. And then Vela scores a on a keeper's mistake in the sixth minute, the stadium goes absolutely silent and we are in our section going fucking wild. Up 2-0 at half and we were ready for more. Second half starts pretty whack as Timbers score a goal within seconds, but a sick cross from Harvey to Latif and we made it 3-1 and it was over. Timbers attacked and attacked, but we were only able to we were only able to make it 3-2. Sick ass bicycle kick goal from Brian Fernandez, I think. We celebrated so hard before, during, and after the match. This is the match when Will Farrell joins the 3252 with This Is Our House chat. It was simply incredible. We were held in our section until the stadium cleared out, and we went even harder with an empty stadium because we never stopped. We finally get to leave, and there's a ton of Timbers fans waiting for us to trade scarves and simply give us props. No one in their MLS history has had... <coughs> An away team show up with that much away support and silence the Timbers Army. Not even their actual rivals from Seattle. Shame on them. Overall, incredible time in Portland. It was my first taste of a huge traveling support outside of going to Carson. And it was the best time of my life. I feel like I can replay that Dolly Dolly chat in my head all the time and just seeing everyone lose it just to prove to everyone that we have true active support. We follow our team everywhere. It was life-changing. It felt unreal to have so many Timbers fans applaud us and give us credit and respect for what we do in the stands. This was only one and a half seasons in. This is just the beginning and this is the imprint we're leaving everywhere we go. I can't wait to go to more away games. And that, as they say, is that. Those are the last posts. Uh, Julio wrote those all on his blog spot, one after the other in pretty quick succession uh, over those few months in early 2020, and I think anyone who's just listened to those would agree that they're some of the best writing I've ever read about football, much less LAFC. It was just so honest, and it just put you right in there. It had humor. It felt so definitively like him, and... I thought, like, my favorite parts were just, like, how much he loved it and how much he would pause and say, even as I'm typing this, I'm tearing up. It's like, you know, this was a man whose passion for this sport and this club ran so deep. And rereading these, 
I started rereading these in Atlanta, um, you know, pretty soon after we heard he had passed, and it just, I could hear him, you know, I could hear him in those posts, and I could hear his memories, and, like, I didn't have the idea of reading him on the pod until later, but, like, even as we were reading him now, I, like, I found myself closing my eyes here in the backyard, I poured him up a little cup, we poured him out a little tea, and it did feel like we got to have him on the pod, and, like, I, I do feel like he's he was at the away day in Atlanta I mean I'm I know I'm not alone and I was thinking about him a lot during that game and you know when we saw I saw the banner up um for the derby that just went down the 3-3 and it's just yeah it's 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 been a hard been a hard year for the north end it's been a hard year for a lot of us and you know I just I'm really grateful that he left those words for us I think um, I think that anyone who's had experiences with this club or wanted to create something around this, what Julio made is a lesson. You just fucking go do it. You know, you mm-hmm. just that's all we did. You know, we we thought about doing a pod and we just started a pod and now we've had a chance to help document this thing that's very special to all of us. And I'm so grateful that he he did that. I mean, there's no words about someone's life better than their own, I think. And this it was just perfect for me, and it helped it helped me understand so much. I mean, he answered a lot of the questions I would have asked. You know, <laughs> um, I'm sure we would have gone on other tangents too, but I thought it was really beautiful, and I'm so glad uh, so glad he left those words for us. Yeah, man. I mean, it's kind of like Julio's love story with LAFC in the 3252. And, you know, that journey from feeling outside to to really being our family. So, I mean, you understand why reading it, him talking about a loner in those beginning games and then by the end he's talking about you know, not only his outside hooligans family, but then linking up with all of his other friends and all the other homies and all the other groups. And that's really, like, the way it ended up for him. Is he Not only was he able to find family in so many groups, he was able to, you know, create his own band of brothers and sisters. And, yeah, he was just... And that whole... Every, every single post had, had, a, had an element of him that, like, if you ever had a chance... To, to talk to the guy it just shines through in his writing and I, I think that this I'm just really grateful that he, that he left that so if you have memories mm-hmm. if you have if you have experiences type them up record them out hit us up and we'll bring you on the pod this is why we do this we do this to memori- memorialize this stuff and I am a true believer in, in all the death that I've seen of late that like recalling the memories literally is the spirit in action, you know, it is the spirit of of those who physically are no longer with us in action, and it floats through our heads and through our hearts. But it's really nice uh, when you share it with others um, through memories. Yeah, I just feel um, I think gratitude and, and thankfulness that that we got to know him just just for for a little bit. Um, thankful that he always listened to us and would comment on on uh, on what we were talking about. 
we got to go to his viewing um, this past week, and um, it was crazy. It was like half the people were wearing Nike Air Maxes and in suit and tie, and the other half was in black punk punk gear. Um, yeah, and I just couldn't help but um, feel like, first of all, just seeing everyone who loved him was sharing <coughs> both, both memories that were like, you know, funny, but sad and poignant and powerful. And uh, I just got the feeling that he, um, for even the short time he had, he lived a full life. And listening to his writing so clearly, like LAFC was such a huge factor in that, of the fullness of his life. Mm. He... Um, yeah, there was um, just he always this was what I was wanting for my whole life. It was such a deep embedded desire from all the soccer. I mean, I I didn't realize he followed every freaking league, every team, until I read that and then, uh, and just like this is what he was waiting for. And for the brief time we had with him, this club had with him, like it 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 gave him a great amount of kind of worth and fullness in that. And um, yeah. Um, I'm grateful for it, right? He leaves behind a family who loves him and um, now friends, friends who, who love him and miss him dearly. And uh, yeah, I'm just so happy he had it written, man. He had it written for us to to look over and see and remember some things um, in a way that Julio only could um, describe himself. Yeah, and th I mean, thank you guys for, for listening. For all those who were really close to Julio, thank you for, for letting us uh, honor him in the way we felt, you know, we wanted to do. He he did hit us up on the pod a lot, and he followed it closely. One of the la I think the last message he sent me was about my stories when I was in Hiroshima. Um, you know, he was saying he was living vicariously through me. And I feel like, you know, his words allow him to live vicariously through all of us um, and continue continue living and continue living through that yeah. through that passion that he had that the emotion he brought the fullness of life as Josh said and I know that some of these things can sound like cliches uh, for people when they pass but with Julio anyone who knew him you know that it couldn't be further from a cliche this is the way he carried himself and the love that he brought to this sport and to every conversation so again shout out to to everyone who ever had a chance to talk to him. For all those who didn't, I hope you enjoyed the words and got to know a member of our community in retrospect um, yeah. because it's a big community and there are a lot of gems out there. So Can be, I say, brave, be brave, meet people, say, yeah. say hi if you feel like you're a loner. Yeah, you know? hell yeah. Can I, one, get in the mix. Mm -hmm. One thing I wanted to say was that um, when we were talking first in Atlanta, when we were potting from Atlanta, and I was like, I'm not ready to embark some great meaning from this all or take a positive away from a, a great man's life who, who just passed. But the one thing that I, I kept on hearing from this one um, when Julio was writing through is like, bro, supporter culture in LAFC is weird, still really weird to a lot of people. But they, they're kind of a foot in, a foot out, and they don't know um, how to get involved, how to stay in touch. And that's... Um, that's a good reminder for all of us who are building this culture, who are so obsessed with it, but maybe get tired by how inundated we are with like the, the details of the club that like people want to get in. And there are great people like Julio who um, we were lucky to know because he stuck around long enough for, for, us, for, for him to say hello and for us to say hello back. And um, I want us to keep that in mind. Um, just the same way that, that Mo, the passion of Mo has taught us, like 
fucking throw the petty shit out. Like, let's build together, right? Let's let's, rem- let's remember the people that are on the outside looking in, being like, how can I be a part of this thing? Because I think this is this is what I've been waiting for. Um, yeah, probably close out just with, we miss you, we love you, and, and thank you for reminding us how special this thing is that we're part of. Julia forever. You're Julia forever. FCFC. 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 FCFC.